We have a problem. Babies are being killed. Proverbs 24 says, if you see someone on their way to death or in danger of being killed, you must do something to save them. You cannot say, it's none of my business. That's Proverbs 24, 11 to 12, in the easy-to-read version. Okay, there. How bad is the problem? If you've ever been in Hampton to the Hampton Coliseum, it seats about almost 10,000 people. Pretend like one day a terrorist attacked and all 10,000 people were killed. That would make the news, right? And the next day, there's another big event there. Another terrorist came, and all 10,000 people were killed. And then the third day, another terrorist came, and 10,000 people were killed. And that happened every day for a whole year. And then the next year, and the next year, And it happened for 18 years. That's how many people, that's how many people we have killed. Now, how about 9-11? The younger people, you know, haven't, weren't here in 9-11, but we lost, we lost almost 3,000 people, Americans, and the terrorist attack on three on nine eleven. Well, let's pretend like another nine eleven happened every day. Every day for fifty eight years. Here's another one. If you've been on a Boeing seven thirty seven airplane, they carry about 108 passengers. If a Boeing 737 crashed every hour, every hour of every day for 67 years. That dates back to 1955. That's how many people we have killed voluntarily in abortion clinics since 1973. Here's another one. The southeastern United States take Maryland, Virginia, North Carolina, South Carolina, Georgia, and Florida. Kill all of those people That's how many babies we have killed. Now here's another one. The United States has had 35 wars since our beginning. 
Revolutionary War, you know, all think of the the horrible civil war we had, World War One, Two, Vietnam, Korean War, all, all these different wars. Thirty-five wars. You take all of the American deaths and you multiply that times forty-eight. That's how many babies we have killed. Now, have you ever been to the Vietnam uh, War Memorial? The length of that, that wall, you know, that has the names of 58,000 Vietnam deaths. There's uh, 58,220. Um, that wall is 246 feet long in Washington, D.C. Well, what if we built a wall for the babies we have killed? Everybody, every baby's name. You know, God gives every person, an, every person has a name. That new wall would reach from James River Community Church up to Williamsburg. 50, 51 miles. That's a, lot of, that's a lot of names. And here's something, that you know, another one you can relate to. High school. The average high school has 850 students in it. If you destroyed one high school every day for 203 years, that's how many babies we've killed. That would date back to 1819. That was when uh, President James Monroe negotiated the uh, Louisiana Purchase. One final one. The Vietnam War um, lasted uh, 16 years. If imagine we lost all of those deaths in one month, and that repeated every month, every year since 1932. That's how many babies we've killed. So, how bad is the problem? I think you know how bad the problem is now. And I'm going wrong. All right, how, why is this a problem? Number one, A, people don't know who God is. Okay. I, a few years ago, I was very interested in studying who God is, and I studied 459 significant scriptural passages, and I consolidated what I learned about God. Here's what I learned. In fact, this will be the most important two minutes of this whole sermon. So listen carefully and Learn what you can about God. God is a spirit, the all-knowing, all-wise mind who sees and understands everything. He is light, and yet He is invisible. He is one, and yet is three persons, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. 
God is eternal. He never changes. He is infinite, not only in time, but in many dimensions. He is self-existent and is independent of His creation. God is incomparable, unique, the only God, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. Being the supreme ruler over all, He is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. He is all-powerful beyond any imagination. Thus, He is sovereign with total authority over all. God is the champion, the victor who never loses. Bigger than the heavens. God is above all. He is the Most High God. And yet, He is everywhere present, near to us. God is divine and perfect. He is holy, pure, righteous, and honorable. Therefore, He cannot tolerate sin. Being consistent with His character, He is just, fair, and reasonable. Being faithful to the truth, He is trustworthy. His magnificent love results in lavish generosity. God is so incomprehensible, so unsearchable, and has such splendor, glory, majesty, that He is awesome and even terrifying. He is worthy of all of our praise. God is findable and knowable. He seeks and delights in the fellowship of believing and thankful people. He is jealous of any alternative objects of worship. God has spoken to people by voice, by angels, by prophets, by apostles, and through His Son, Jesus Christ. He has given warnings, promises, and commandments. The Bible is the inspired, inerrant Word of God. Being the creator of the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them, He is rich and owns it all. So God is against abortion. Reasons why. Abortion is obeying Satan. Satan is behind murders and lies. John 8 says, John 8, 43 says, why can't you understand what I'm saying? It's because you can't even hear me, for you are the children of your father, the devil. And you love to do what the evil things he does. He was a murderer from the beginning. He has always hated the truth because there is no truth in him. Satan moved uh, Cain to kill Abel. Satan killed the babies in Egypt to kill Moses, the rescuer of the Hebrews. Satan tried to kill all the babies in Bethlehem to kill the coming King Jesus. And Satan even tried to kill Jesus. He took Jesus up to the pinnacle of the temple and he said, jump off. Of course, Jesus did not do that. 
Conception is a creative act of God. God creates personally every life. Job 10. By the way, this, this verse is pretty amazing. Um, Job 10 says, 10.10 says, You guided my conception and formed me in the womb. Now, did you know that when you were, before you were born, before you were made, there were a hundred million sperm cells trying to impregnate the egg. A hundred million. And you might think, well, that was just a coincidence that the certain one... No, it was not a coincidence. God guided my conception. God guided the one particular sperm that fertilized you. It wasn't, it wasn't a random chance. That's Job 10.10. 10. You guided my conception. You formed me in the womb. You clothed me with skin and flesh. And you knit my bones and sinews together. You gave me life and showed me your unfailing love. My life was was preserved by your care. Now, where where did that happen? Where was... My life was preserved by your care. Where is it preserved? It's in the womb. The womb is the safest place in the universe. Special place that God made. It's supposed to be, but not in America and not around the world anymore. Babies are a gift from the Lord. Psalm 127.3 says, Children are a gift from the Lord. They are a, a reward from Him. Babies are not accidental products of conception. They are a purposeful design and creation by God. Every life conceived is immortal. Each will last forever. Every single child conceived lives forever. Forever. God opens and closes the wombs. Think back of Sarah, of Abraham's, Abraham's wife. Sarah said to Abram, The Lord has prevented me from having children. And in Genesis, that's Genesis 16. And Genesis 17, And I will bless her, Sarah, and give you, Abraham, a son from her. Genesis uh, 21 Uh, Sarah became pregnant and she gave birth to a son, Abraham, in his old age. This happened at just the time God had said it would. And Abraham named their son Isaac. Hagar, in Genesis 16, God promised Hagar that she would have more descendants than she could count. 
Rebecca, she was barren. The Lord answered Isaac's prayer, and Rebecca became pregnant with twins. Hannah was barren, and the Lord said, uh, this is 1 Samuel 1, the Lord had kept her, Hannah, from having children. And in verse 19, Hannah gave birth to a son. She named him Samuel. For she said, I asked the Lord for him. Manoah's wife, she was barren. And she was un- unable to, have, to become pregnant. And, and yet the angel of the Lord appeared to Manoah's wife and said, you will soon become pregnant and give birth to a son. And she had Samson. Ruth was enabled to get pregnant and have, and have Obed. She married Boaz, and the Lord enabled her and enabled Ruth to become pregnant. This is in Ruth 4.13. And they named him Obed. He became the father of Jesse and the grandfather of David. And recall that Ruth had previously been married for 10 years and didn't have any children. Zechariah and Elizabeth, she was barren. They were both old, but she became pregnant. You read this in Luke chapter 1. They had no children because Elizabeth was unable to conceive. They were both very old. And guess who was born? John. John the Baptist. The, God, the angel said, um, Your wife Elizabeth will give you a son. You are to name him John. He will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before his birth. And here's one. The Virgin Mary. She couldn't have a child. You know Why? Because she was virgin. No one that's a virgin can have a child. Uh, but she got pregnant. She was still a virgin, and she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. In Luke, in Luke chapter 1, don't be afraid, Mary, the angel told her, for you have found favor. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus. And also, God closes wombs in judgment. Abimelech's wife and female servants. Genesis 20, verse 17. Then Abraham prayed to God, and God healed Abimelech, his wife, and his female servants, so they could have children. For the Lord had caused all the women to be infertile because of what had happened with Abraham's wife, Sarah. So you see how God opens wombs and closes wombs. It's totally up to God. And so what do people do today? People say, well, I'm my, I'm my own person. I'm going to do my own thing. I'm going to decide whether or not I have a child or not. That's 
taking God's authority on yourself. You don't have any right to do that. Man is made in the image of God. Genesis 1, 26. Then God said, let us make human beings in our own image to be like us. They will reign. In 20, verse 27, God, so God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. Then God blessed them and said, be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and govern it. Reign over the fish and birds and animals. Then God looked over all he had made and he saw that it was very good. And I think, I think I read that there were, there were about 36 places in the Bible where it says, be fruitful. God says, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. And so, what are people, what are people saying today? They're saying it's overpopulated. God, God said, be fruitful and fill the earth. It's not up to mankind to decide if the earth is overpopulated. And James 3 talks about no one can tame the tongue. It is a restless, it is restless and evil, full of deadly poison. Sometimes it praises our Lord and Father and sometimes it curses those who have been made in the image of God. Now what does the image of God mean? image of God mean it does not mean eternality we had a beginning we were created at a point in time it does not mean we're omniscient omnipresent omnipotent immutable but what it does mean is that there are communicable attributes of God that we do have like we're a persons we have a re- relationships We love, we hate, we understand, we feel, we think, we choose, and we act. These are the ways that we are like God. Now, capital punishment is God's rule. You deserve to lose your life when you kill someone made in the image of God. Genesis 4, Cain killed Abel. In verse 9, afterward, the Lord asked Cain, where's your brother? Where is Abel? I don't know, Cain responded. Am I my brother's guardian? But the Lord said, what have you done? Listen. Listen. Your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground. Now you are cursed and banished from the ground, which has swallowed your brother's blood. There is a sea of blood for the murder of babies in America. Genesis 9, uh, 5, And anyone who murders a fellow human must die. If anyone takes a human life, that person's life will also be taken by human hands for God made human beings in his own image 
Exodus 21, uh, verse 22. Now suppose the two men are fighting, and in the process they accidentally strike a pregnant woman so she gives birth prematurely. If there's no further injury, the punishment must match the injury, a life for a life. God takes pleasure in his creation. Psalm 104, the Lord, 104, 31, the Lord takes pleasure in all he has made. Every creation is the special object of God's loving care. Abortion is striking a blow against God the Creator. Abortion is an anti-God act. And abortion is not loving your neighbor. In Matthew, Mark 12, 31, the second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. Who is closer neighbor than your own unborn baby? There's nobody closer than that. Think about the priorities of Jesus concerning the poor, the sick, the weak, the helpless, the orphans, the widows, those in prison, the oppressed, the sheep without a shepherd. Would Jesus protect the unborn? Who could be weaker than the embryo? In Luke 18, 15, one day some parents brought their little children to Jesus so he could touch and bless them. But when the disciples saw this, they scolded the parents for bothering him. Then Jesus called for the children and said to the disciples, let the children come to me. Don't stop them. For the kingdom of God belongs to, the, to those who are like these children. Abortion is breaking the sixth commandment. Exodus 20. You must not murder. You must not murder. You must not murder. You must not murder. Abortion was explicitly condemned by early Christians. They had a document, the early Christians had a document called the Didache, and it explicitly condemned abortion. It's a lot more specific than anything you can find in the actual scriptures, but the early Christians taught um, using the Didache. All right, how do you know that these are actual human beings? You know, when I was a pagan and and became a a Christian, I, first of all, I I used to believe in abortion because I believed in my sinfulness. And I thought, you know, I, I 
I was like so many other people. But here's what, here's what God spoke to me. If a baby inside the womb can be filled with the Spirit and dwelt by the Spirit, that would prove that it's not just a piece of tissue. It's not just a product of conception. It's a living human being person. Luke 1, 13. But the angel said, Don't be afraid, Zechariah. God has heard your prayer. Your wife, Elizabeth, will give you a son. You are to name him John. He will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before his birth. So clearly, he's a person. A piece of tissue cannot be filled with the Holy Spirit. And this is something that also in Luke Luke 1, 39, a few days later, Mary hurried to the hill country of Judea to the town where Zechariah lived. She entered the house and greeted Elizabeth. At the sound of Mary's greeting, Elizabeth's uh, child leaped within her and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. John the Baptist, when, when he was inside his mother, he sensed the presence of Jesus. He obviously was a, was a person because he sensed the presence of Jesus. And John the Baptist... John the Baptist had joy from the womb. That's also in Luke uh, 1, 42. Elizabeth gave a gr- glad cry and exclaimed to Mary, God has blessed you above all women, and your child is blessed. Why am I so honored that the mother of my Lord should visit me? When I heard your greeting, the baby in my womb jumped for joy. So, a baby inside the womb jumped for joy. So clearly, it's a person. A, a growth inside a woman is not, can't have joy. But John the Baptist had joy before he was born. These three things uh, really are so clear that it's a really a living person, a living human being. God has plans for people before conception. Jeremiah 1, verse 4, the Lord gave me this message. I knew you before I was formed. I knew you before I formed you in your mother's womb. Before you were born, I set you apart and appointed you as my prophet to the nations. So he already had, God already had plans for, um, for Jer- Jeremiah. God made my intricate parts in the womb. This is the most famous 
um, our most well-known uh, Psalm 30, 139. You made all the delicate inner parts of my body and knit me together in my mother's womb. Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Your workmanship is marvelous. How well I know it. You watched me as I was being formed in utter seclusion. As I, as I was woven together in the dark of the womb. You saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. Now there is a picture of a DNA. It's a double helix. And it's one... The scripture says, thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Your workmanship is marvelous. Now the psalmist wrote this under inspiration from God, but the psalmist, I don't think, had an appreciation for just how complex and how marvelous it is. That, that's just a small piece of the, the DNA, which is, it's like, I think it's like three feet long. If you stretched out one, one molecule of DNA, it's about three feet long. And it has, it has information in there. This is a five, almost 500-page uh, book. Um, if you take if a 500-page book and take, actually take 2,000 of these, the information stored in, in the DNA is a, equivalent of 2,500-page books. So that puts uh, a new image to this wonderfully complex. That's how complex you are. And it's, it's a beautiful creation. On the left, you see uh, the rose window at York Minster. That's, that's the uh, stained glass window. On the right is the DNA. If you look, if you cut this on, cut the DNA on the end and look down, down the line of the DNA, uh, the cross-sectional view, that's on the right, that's what it looks like. It's Wonderfully complex. You are wonderfully complex. God, God, when He made each person, He He wrote, you know, all two thousand pages of the five hundred, two thousand books of the five hundred page book. That much information He wrote. He made it a beautiful thing. And then people are killing these babies. And I can just see God saying, how dare you? How dare you kill what I made? God loves what He made. He doesn't want it. He doesn't want anyone killed. 
We have a sin nature from the womb. Uh, Psalm 51 says, For I was born a sinner. Yes, from the, from the moment my mother conceived me. We have a sin nature. And also, God works with people from the womb. I didn't realize this until I was studying for this. Psalm 51, 6, But you desire honesty from the womb, teaching me wisdom even there. Teaching me wisdom. Did you know that God is teaching wisdom even to the babies in the womb? That's what it says. But you desire honesty from the womb, teaching me wisdom even there. God is angry and he will judge us. Revelation 21 says, but cowards, unbelievers, the corrupt, murderers, their fate is in the fiery lake of burning sulfur. This is the second death. And Romans 1 But God shows His anger from heaven against all sinful, wicked people who suppress the truth by their wickedness. They know the truth about God because He has made it obvious to them. For ever since the world was created, people have seen the earth and sky. Through everything God has made, they clearly see His invisible qualities, His eternal power and divine nature. So they have no excuse for not knowing God. Yes, they knew God, but they wouldn't worship Him as God or even give Him thanks. And they began to think up foolish ideas of what God was like. As a result, their minds became dark and confused. Claiming to be wise, they instead became, they became utter fools. So God abandoned them to do whatever shameful things their hearts desired. As a result, they did vile and degrading things with each other's bodies. I can't tell you how many young women have told me this is my own body. I can do what I want to with my own body. No. They're doing vile and degrading things with somebody else's body. The most vile thing that you can do to somebody's body is to rip the arms and legs off, crush the skull. That's that's vile and degrading. The um, so God is angry, and uh, this key verse I had before. I'll say it again. Proverbs twenty four. 11 and 12. If you see someone on their way to death or in danger of being killed, you must do something to save them. You cannot say, it's none of my business. You must do something to save them. Uh, The other... um, 
a few years ago, I was preaching at Christopher Newport University, and this this girl had listened to my sermon, and she eventually she walked up to me, tears tears running down her face, and she said, "Do you think God could ever forgive me for what I've done?" And I told her, "Yes." Look at look at the uh, the Apostle Paul. When he was Saul of Tarsus, he used to kill and put kill people, and and was against fighting against the church. And some people today will say, "Well, I never I never had an abortion. I never I never I never uh, killed anybody." But have you ever been angry with someone? God says, Jesus said, if, you've, if you're ever angry with somebody, you have already murdered them in your heart. So yes, you have murdered. You are a murderer. You need forgiveness from God. And that's why Jesus came. He came to forgive, to save people. And so I told that young lady that she, she could easily be forgiven. God's, God's grace is so magnificent that he paid for all of your sins. Not, the one you're think, not just the one you're thinking about, but he paid for all of your sins. You've got to repent and believe in the finished work of Jesus Christ. Um, there, there was a lady that when she drove out of the clinic she stopped, rolled down her window she said I just want you to know that I decided to keep my, my baby and I said what changed your mind because she was leaving the abortion clinic she said I saw two of your sons there was one son that I had and you know I have sons like like these um, though I couldn't bring this on I wanted to because my trunk was iced over today um, but so they're in my trunk but, but it was a sign about this size and it had a picture of a, a pregnant woman's belly and it said your child's first home And the other sign that she saw, she said, um, and it had a picture of, of an embryo um, younger than that picture, uh, an embryo, and it said, he's innocent. He's innocent. So she decided, she saw the signs and decided to keep the baby. And a friend of mine, uh, Bill Legg, who, who I work with, he was... Um, preaching at Virginia Beach at the clinic there and this car pulled up and the lady stopped and rolled down her window and she said sir do you remember me? and he said no ma'am I don't remember you she said I was here two years ago and you were preaching you had all those signs up there and you were preaching to save our 
the, my child. And she said, look in the back seat and see my two-year-old daughter. And I want to also close, I want to close with one little story that I, uh, God has shown himself uh, really amazing, um, encouraging. He's encouraged me more than I can imagine, more than I can share. But one time I was preaching the gospel at the abortion clinic and this one guy was, uh, he had brought his wife there and he was reacting strongly uh, to what I was saying. And I happened to be preaching about hell and, um, and needing forgiveness for your sins, needing to repent, believe in Jesus Christ. And he's, this guy came up to me and he said, I better not let you, uh, I better not catch you saying that again or you'll wish you hadn't said it. And so my friend called the police and the police came and told him, you know, hey, sir, you got to stay over there in your car. You can't come over here. And so when the, when the guy drove out finally, he rolled down his window and he said, you haven't seen the last of me. I'm going to get you. So I thought, I thought, wow. Um, so I, I was kind of taken aback at that. And so I turned around. I turned around, and there was an elderly couple, like 80-year-old, roughly 80-year-old man and woman, standing right there. I mean, they're like right, right there. And they said, we we just want to encourage you. Thank you for what you're doing. And so, so then I, I happened to turn around again back toward the uh, street. And um, I didn't think too much about it because I was still kind of shook up. Um, and, and, then, and then I turned around again and those, that couple was gone. There was no car. It's not, you know, people are not, you don't see two 80-year-old people walking along the sidewalk at, at the abortion clinic. It was totally out of character. There was no car that had driven them. And it wasn't until the next day I was at the... Uh, I was working out at the gym and I was thinking back on this and I thought, I never thanked those people for, for encouraging me. And then I realized God had sent them. They, they may have been angels, I don't know. I mean, they didn't have wings or anything, but... <laughs> but but God sent them to encourage me. And he, God is so faithful. So, um, I just want to encourage you, do whatever God moves upon your heart to do. 
and um, and God you will, God will uh, God will reward you.